In your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to be looking at a couple of the kingdom parables over the next few weeks, but uh, and not all of them, but a few of them. And uh, the Lord just laid this one on my heart this week. Uh, uh, again, looking back at the work that was done, uh, Vacation Bible School, looking at uh, the the. Uh, churches coming together last Sunday night in the park and, and just uh, praising together as one body and, and uh, uh, lifting the Lord up and understanding that the work the Lord has put before us to do is important. If I'm a part of the kingdom of God, I'm a part of the work that God has put before me to do. Uh, that no one in the kingdom has been called but to sit still and to, to, to do nothing. We all have a purpose in the kingdom of God, and we're going to look at the purposes, uh, a few of those purposes in particular. We're all called according to God's timing, that God calls us when He chooses and how He chooses, uh, but it is up to us to respond. We, we cannot ne- neglect so great a salvation as it says in the book of Hebrews. We need to respond to the Word of God, but ultimately we are all called to be a part of eternity in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll look with me today as we understand the work of the kingdom. That if I am the uh, a child of the king, if I have been called to be a part of God's uh, chosen people, then there is a reason that He has put me on this earth. Let's stand together, if you would, as we read Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Jesus, of course, speaking here, says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out, and he found others standing idle, and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. So he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who... Who came? Those came who were hired about the eleventh hour. They each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, "These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day." But he answered one of them and said, "Friend." I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give uh, to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Father, we pray that we might understand what it means to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of the work that you have put before us to do, to honor you in our daily task, and Lord, to honor you as we respect one another. In Jesus' name, amen.
We are guilty in the church today. I shared this in Sunday school earlier, but Bear's saying again, we're guilty in the church today a lot of times of understanding salvation as a finish line. We work and work and work to, to win people to Christ, and when they come to Christ, we say, that's it. And then we come and we expect them to come and sit on a pew for the rest of their days and absorb knowledge and absorb wisdom and, and wait for Jesus to return or for us to go and be with Him. We're guilty of that. I'm guilty of that as a pastor. So often I, I see my goal as to win a soul to Jesus, which is a, a, a honorable goal and is a high calling that God has given us to win souls for Jesus Christ. But that is not the finish line. That's the starting line. See, because my life did not really begin until I came to know Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we are all called according to a purpose. If I am in Christ, if I have given my heart and life to Jesus Christ, then I am called for a particular purpose in God's plan. We are saved for good works. Now let me, let me hang out here for a second. We are not saved by good works. You can never do enough, be enough, give enough to earn God's favor. God has given us His favor, allowed us to be a part of His kingdom, offered us salvation through the shed blood of Christ on Calvary that we might be saved, adopted into the kingdom of God, become a part of His family and do the work that He has set before us to do. If we try to do the work apart from Christ, do you know what we get? Tired. Amen? We just get tired. And we, and we continue down a road that is pointless, and we continue in a way that is pointless because we have missed out on the high calling of God. The Bible said, Paul said this, he said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. He said, I know that after I came to Christ, my life got started. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You know the story there. He was blinded by the light in the presence of Christ. He went on to uh, Damascus, and a man named Ananias came and prayed over him. The scale fell off his eyes and he began to set the world on fire for Jesus. Everything he did before that was wrong. June 8th, 1996 at First Baptist Church at a presentation of Heaven Gates, Hell's Flames, I understood that everything I had done up into my life at that point was pointless because I had missed out on Jesus. And the moment I gave my heart and life to Jesus, my life began. The moment I gave my heart and life to Jesus, I began to understand that God has a purpose and a plan for my life. What's one of the greatest questions of the world people struggle with? Why am I here? You take somebody who has amnesia and they come around and they, the first questions they ask are, Who am I? And why am I here? It is rooted within us to want to have a purpose. And in Christ, every child of God through Jesus Christ has a purpose. God has a plan. And His plan is greater than our plan. You know, some people are really good at planning. Uh, we were talking about, and I don't want to make y'all hungry, alright? But me and Alton were over there talking about barbecue a while ago. Alright? My wife likes to grill. And yesterday, she grilled. Let me meditate on that for a second. No. Right. But she plans ahead. She cooked enough on that grill for last night, but she also cooked enough for t 
today, so when we get home from church, we got dinner ready. All right? Like I said, I wasn't trying to, I'm just telling you, some people are good at planning. I'm not like that. I'm one of those guys, I'm hungry, and I go to the kitchen and I start rifling through the cabinets and see what's there. You know? Or it's, some people are like that. I'm like that with other things. You might be like that with other things. Some people can sit down and they have a list for their list for their list. They've got it all planned out. They know how everything's going to be organized. I see Miss Norma smiling. You've got lists, don't you? Huh? You've got lists. I could make a list, but I, then I wouldn't be able to tell you where it was. I mean, I would lose it somewhere along the line. Why do I say that? Because we can make all the plans we want to, and whether you're good at planning or bad at planning, God is better. And God has a plan for your life. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have an idea where God's leading you. You shouldn't have an idea where God's bringing you, because you should. But God's plan should be the plan for your life. I put it this way. Don't ever make a plan that you won't let God change. Amen? Don't ever make a plan that you won't let God change. I was joking about y'all a while ago. I have to tell you, class of 74. Because any time a group of people comes in that everybody doesn't recognize, they sit together... Immediately the church says, pulpit committee. All right? So somebody asked if you are a pulpit committee. I said, yeah. I didn't like the way their the eyes lit up. But, uh, but no. Uh, now, we have a plan. I mean, we, we have a purpose on, on, in being together. We have, and God has a plan in that. We make plans for our lives. You might have had plans uh, to do something in your life that you intended to do, but God led you in a different direction. Uh, the, the reason I say that is you, you came in here, you, you, you're together, and, and you know, that, that's a plan. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But maybe some days you wake up and God's leading you in a different direction. God has spoken to your heart. Like Devin said, just last night, the Lord spoke to her heart. She needed to share that. She came to me. I'm like, you know, if you need to share it, share it. I'm not going to argue with God. If God's telling you to do something. Now, I'm going I'm to be honest. I've become real cautious as a pastor of who I hand the microphone to. Because I've had some times where somebody wanted to say something and it wasn't of God. <laughs> wasn't bad, just wasn't of God. You, you sit there, you go, where'd that come from? All right. But, but uh, I, I'd love to tell you the story of, of one girl in particular who, whose husband got saved. Uh, we were in Folsom at the time, and, and she was excited. She'd been praying for her husband for some time, and I, I passed her the microphone. I said, ain't God good? And she proceeded to say that he was in an off-color way. All right? Here I am, just as red-faced as could be, her holding the microphone. And I said, I wouldn't have put it that way, but Okay. What are you going to say from there? All right? that, that, you know, she wasn't trying to be ugly. It just came out. God wouldn't have put it that way. But that's the way it was. Right? Like the little, but, but, but listen, we, we've got to understand that if we follow God's plan, God's plan will always lead us in the right direction. God's plan will always bring us where we need to be. If you'd have asked me uh, uh, 20 years ago what I'd have been doing in, in 2014, it wouldn't have been this. But God had a different plan. Some of you, if God would have asked, if somebody had asked you what you'd have been doing 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been what you were doing. But God had a different plan. 
Some of you, if, if, if we'd asked you a year ago. But God had a different plan. Now understand what I'm saying. God has called us by His plan to His purpose. One sign of spiritual growth is a hunger to serve. I do not understand for the life of me how somebody can claim to know Jesus Christ, know that they're bought with a price through the blood of Calvary, know that, they have, that Christ has gone the full distance to redeem them from their sin, to forgive them for their sin, to rise from the grave, that they might have eternal life, and they're content just to go, that's nice. No, I believe if you really know Jesus and you know what He's done for you, that part of that growth is a hunger to serve. These kids, I asked a while ago, what is their job? Their job is to listen. And as they listen and as they grow and as they develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, then the prayer develops into service. We were talking earlier, uh, talking to Brother Allen after Sunday school, and he's talking about teaching a Sunday school class in, 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 in the fall. And, you know what? I hate to lose him out of my Sunday school class. He, he kind of keeps the conversation going. But if God leads him to teach a class, so be it. We should always be looking to grow. And part of that growth is service, to look to serve the Lord in a particular way. And in this passage of Scripture, the landowner did not invite them to a pool party. Now, I've got no problem with fun. I like to have fun. But the kingdom of God is not all fun. And when we listen to those voices that say that it's all supposed to be a big party, a big celebration, then we miss out on some very important things. Nothing wrong with enjoying being a part of God's kingdom. I love the liberty of serving the Lord and knowing that He has redeemed me from my sins, knowing that I'm forgiven in Him. But, but this landowner, as I said, did not invite them to a pool party. He invited them to the fields to work. When Christ redeemed you from your sins, He invited you to be a part of the work. But notice how they were until Jesus came along. I mean, until the landowner came along. Each one of them was idle. They were idle. And He came to the last ones and He says, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? He said, Nobody asked us to do nothing. Church, listen. You don't have to wait to be asked. Now these people were, and this is a salvation parable, and it talks about, you know, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But as far as the work that God has called us to do, if God has called you to work, you don't have to wait around for somebody else to tell you to jump on it. If God has saved you, He has saved you for a reason, you need to find that reason and you need to get involved in the reason that God has saved you. You need to get involved in the plan that He has for you. They said, no one has put us to work. Imagine that legacy. You know, I'm... I'm I don't know, I might be flaky, but I, I like going like in the old cemeteries, the old tombstones that have the sayings and the poems and stuff on them you know what I'm talking about I'm intrigued by that sort of thing there's one I read one time it's, uh, it was in the farmer's almanac I believe it said here lies the body of Eliza Young who on the 5th of May began to hold her tongue you know uh, there's, there's some like that but then oftentimes they would have legacy poems uh, I don't remember exactly how it was, but it's like, as you were, so once was I, and as I am, you, want, you soon will be. 
you know, choose my friend to follow me, something like that. I don't remember exactly how it went. But it was about a legacy. Can you imagine the legacy of these people? Had the landowner not come along at the 11th hour. And again, it's a picture of salvation, so it's a picture of those that are saved late in life. Pictures of those who have come at the end of the road instead of at the beginning of the road, and they've, they've chosen to follow Christ. Can you imagine the legacy had the landowner not come along? I did nothing, then I died. Would that be your epitaph today? I did nothing, and then I died. No, Jesus said He has, came that we, that has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly, that we might be able to live the legacy that He's put before us to live. We are saved for good works. We are called for His purpose, and sometimes our work is hard. These men were called to work the vineyard. Some were called to till, no doubt. Some to prune. Some to harvest. But none of them were called to be idle. God did not save any of us to keep a spot on a pew warm. He called us to do the work of the kingdom. And in that, we have the opportunity to be a part of the great work of Jesus Christ. Witnessing can be hard. I went to witness to a guy one time. His son, his 16-year-old son, got saved at our church there. And he wanted to be baptized. And I, I, I never met his parents. I went to meet his parents. And, and this was a, a healthy man. All right? And when I sat down with this young man's father and I said, Look, you know, your son's been coming to our church for a year or so. He's been learning about the Lord. He's given his heart and life to Christ and he wants to be baptized. And that man stood up. He said, Listen to me. He was born Catholic and he was raised Catholic and he's going to stay Catholic. I said, Look, it's not backing toward the door. I'm, you know, I'm ready to turn the other cheek. You know, I'm, I'm ready to get out of there. You got that, didn't you? All right. Here, here's the thing, though. I, I was intimidated. I was afraid. Nothing that man could say would change that young man's salvation. He didn't let him get baptized in that church. But he could not take Christ out of his heart. Nothing I could say or do. It was a tough witnessing experience. I've had people close the door in my face before. I've had people cuss me out trying to tell them about Jesus before. But once in a while, you come across somebody who is in just the right place. The Lord has brought them to that place. And you sit down and you begin to open the Scripture. And the Holy Spirit is at work. And by the time you finish talking, tears are flowing and prayers are prayed. And a soul is bought into the kingdom of heaven. And that makes it worth it. The work is hard. Serving can be hard. You might feel unappreciated. You might feel like you're not doing all that you're called to do. It can be difficult. Serving, loving your neighbor can be hard. What's the old poem? To live above with saints above, uh, 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 above. To live in love with saints above. Yes, that will be the glory. But to live below with saints we know. Well, that's another story. We need to understand that, that, that we are called to love our neighbor. We are called to do this. It's part of who we are. The DNA of the church, the lifeline of the blood of Jesus Christ is to reach out to others with the truth of the gospel. We need to do the work. God has called us for His purpose. He has called us, secondly, in His time. 
Look how the landowner kept going back to recruit more workers. He would not give up. Now, we, we lived in Virginia for a little while, and there were migrant workers in that community, and a lot of times you'd see them standing outside the, the gas stations or whatever, and some of these farmers would come along and say, I want you and you and you to come with me. I've seen that. And then a lot of those guys, you'd come back in the afternoon, and they're still sitting there. So nobody hired them. Nobody gave them anything to do. But if one of those farmers would have come back by and said, I need you and you and you, guess what? They'd have hopped on the truck and they'd have went. Now, why do I say that? Because it is about the timing of the Lord. Some people come to know Jesus Christ at a young age. Some people come to know Jesus Christ at an older age. I was 21 when I accepted Christ as my Savior. Some people, it takes a long time. Uh, Brother Frank went to church with his, his mom. I pointed him, but Brother Frank Bowman came to Christ at 62 years of age, I think Brother Frank was when he got saved. And any of you who are part of the church family, you know Brother Frank loves the Lord. And he'll tell you, he said, man, I wish I'd have done it a lot sooner. But guess what? It is about God's timing. You might be sitting here today and you might have heard the gospel presented time and time and time and time and time again and have never responded, but the Lord does not give up. He continues to put the word out there. He continues to sow those fields. He continues to plant that seed that one day the harvest might come to fruition. We need to understand that God calls people in His time and He calls them continually. He would not give up. He came back and He came back. He came back at the sixth hour and He came back at the ninth hour and He came back at the eleventh hour because He was determined to get these guys on board with what He was doing. Now understand this. The Bible tells us that Jesus knocks at our hearts door. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and will come in, I will sup with him and he with me. But we've got to open the door. We've got to understand that God will persist. He will persist. He will persist, but he'll never knock your door down. He is not going to drag you kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. He's going to keep presenting his plan. And one day, one day the lights come on and you realize that he's been talking to you the whole time and you follow after that plan. I'll give you two specific examples of God's timing. Dr. James Dobson, great Christian psychologist, he's on the radio and all that great teacher. Dr. Dobson came to know Christ as a child, a young child. His dad was an evangelist and he came to know Jesus, gloriously saved, has served him all his life, told people about Jesus through his work and uh, done a lot of great research about the family and things like that. At a young age. But some later in life, Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson recently passed away. Chuck Colson came to, to Christ through a lot of events that I won't get to, don't have time to get to in the sermon this morning, but he was in, in, in jail at 40 years of age. He came to know Jesus Christ. And he too began to serve the Lord and, and make tremendous changes for the kingdom of God. God calls in his time. We are called for His purpose, we are called in His time, and we are called to His reward. Verse 14, Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to the last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Young or old, you deserve no less because of when you were saved. Now listen, I think that's great. 
I think that's fantastic. I think it's wonderful that Christ has enough grace that if somebody is on their deathbed and they repent and regret their whole entire life and they say, Lord, I need you, and God will save them and bring them home to glory, praise God. But sometimes we don't feel that way. Sometimes we see people that we know where they've been and we know what they've done and we know who they've done it to and they repent and they come to Christ and we fold our arms and go, "Mm, I believe that when I see it. Why? Well, because we've been serving the Lord all along. How can this person come along at the last minute and decide that everything they did was wrong? That's just not fair. Oh, I'm glad God's not fair. See, because if God was fair, I would receive an eternal punishment separated from God in the pits of hell. Because the Bible says all sin is equal in the sight of God. Somebody put it this way one time. We look at sin like this, like a skyline of buildings. You see tall buildings, short buildings, in between buildings, all manner of sin. We see it like that. But when God looks down on sin, just like we were looking down on buildings, they would all look the same. Christ died once for all. Young or old, you deserve no less of what God has to offer you no matter when you were saved. And just to be on the field is an honor. Just to know that Christ would love us enough to say, you know what, I want you to be a part of my work. I know you've been working in other fields and you've been doing other things your whole life, but I want you to come over to my field. I want you to work for me. We met a man, I heard him speak uh, several years back at a conference I went to. He was a a Muslim man, he he grew up Muslim I should say. And he he was sent to the United States to to practice what he called cultural jihad. There there are people who are placed in the United States today that, that their sole purpose is to to marry American women, have children of American citizens, raise them up and, and take over communities. There are whole communities that, that are now, you know, I won't get all into that, but understand that's what he was called here, his, his own admission. He was called to practice cultural jihad, and he got in an automobile accident. And he had no family, he had nobody around, and, and this Christian doctor who administered to him there took him home with him, put him in his spare bedroom, And every day that Christian doctor's Christian kids would come in there and gather around this Muslim man's bed and pray for his healing and take care of his needs. And by his own admission, this man said he began to hate those children. He said he despised the very thought of them coming into the room because he had been told all his life that they were infidels. But somewhere along the line, he he got spiritually broken. And in his room, in that doctor's house one night, he cried out in confusion. And he said, Lord, if you are real, show me. And he had an Apostle Paul experience. The Lord spoke to him and, and revealed himself to him. And he accepted Jesus Christ. And today... His community, his people have what's called a fatwa on his head. That, that there's a, 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 a price out for him to be killed. But he's going around the country telling people about Jesus Christ. Now a lot of people could say, no, that guy couldn't serve the Lord. No, he can serve the Lord. You can serve the Lord. 
doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. There is enough grace for you today. Jesus said, the, the Lord said to Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. So church, I want to ask you today, are you a part of the kingdom? Are you a part of the kingdom work? If, if you've never accepted the gift of being a child of the king, then the Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can cry out to him today and say, Lord, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I want to turn from my sins. I want to follow you. But if you know you're saved, are you part of the work? Are you content to sit back and not do what God has called you to do? I want to offer this opportunity as well to say, Lord, I want to turn it over to you. I've been doing my own thing for too long. Let me follow your plan.